So, any questions tonight? Yes? Another history question. I heard, I listened to the 2000 classes, and in two consecutive instances, you said that Shri Bhakti Siddhanta was preaching with the blessings of Bhaktivinoda and Bhaktivinoda's poverty. But there is also, it's also known that he took sannyas with a picture of Bhaktivinoda's poverty. So was he preaching as a brahmachari? Yes, he was preaching as a brahmachari. And I believe he had disciples also. Um, he certainly had disciples in their in their presence with their blessing. And um, you're referring to the fact that his sannyas came after the disappearance from the world of Korkishordas Babaji Marsh. So that was uh, appears to have been later uh, development. But uh, during that time, then uh, Bhakti Notaku would hold Bhagavad discourses and Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj would visit and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was in the mix of of that as well as much younger of course but um, um, he was there doing the bidding of both of his gurus Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj and Bhakti Thakur who had very different dispositions extremely different dispositions and uh, and it and contradictory advices, practical advices, one for preaching, other for don't bother with preaching, <laughs> go to the shore. So, Magdisadant uh, Sarasthi had to make a decision which to follow, and we were lucky that he chose the uh, influence and direction inspired uh, side of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, yeah, those were, that was in probably around 1910, 11, 12, along those uh, years. Um, there's a famous gathering um, uh, amongst them and others in which Gorkashore Das Babaji Marish. I think that I think that it was um, when uh, when Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha, who became Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha Maharaj, there were two Tirtha Maharajas in Gaudiya, old Tirtha Maharaj and young Tirtha Maharaj. The young Tirtha Maharaj was known as Kunjabi Haridas, and he was a, the manager and organizer of all of Gaudiya. He took the inspired side of Bhaktisiddhanta and gave shape to it and so forth. So he was a very important person in that um, mission, organizing of it and strategizing to push forward the, the teachings, the emphasis of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakura. Um, but but Pradeep Tirthamarsh, Pradeep Tirthamarsh was older and he was the older brother of another famous disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta became infamous. His name was Ananta Vasudev. And um, so an old Tirtha Maharaj was previously initiated by someone that may have even been Bipin Bihari Goswami or partially Harinam or something. I'm not clear on, I don't remember entirely the details, but um, he came under the inspired influence of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and he was given 
I believe Mantradiksha in the company of in an assembly where Bhaktivinoda and Gorkashara's uh, Babaji Maharaj were present and he predicted Gorkashara that he would become a sannyasi and, and um, preach in the West. Um, my history here is a little sketchy, but so you may find some details that uh, you fill it out or um, alter it to some extent, but at any rate... Uh, I know that Babaji Marsh gave this prediction and predicted the prediction, of course. Maybe maybe he wasn't uh, maybe the, maybe he wasn't being initiated by Bhakti Siddhanta, but I forget. But he did become a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta and he did take sannyas also. So the so in effect the sannyas of Bhakti Siddhanta, which he took from a picture of Gorbachev's Babaji Maharaj was, was in a sense verified by Babaji Maharaj's prediction that this Pradeep Tirtha would become a sannyasi and travel outside of India. He did. He went to England. He's one of the persons that, on um, one of the trips, was uh, an emissary of Gaudiamat, hmm. Dr. Pradeep Tirtha Maharaj. So, at any rate, it was a, certainly an interesting time, the brother of Bhakti Siddhanta, who was initiated by Bhakti Vinodalit Prashad was there and he was also working with Bhakti Siddhanta in the beginning when he started his mission under the inspiration of uh, Bhakti Thakur. But later they had some, some differences and Alit Prashad dropped out of the, uh, the sect, if you will, and uh, went in a different direction. <clears throat> But um, he was uh, supporting, obviously, the, the, the position of Bhakti Siddhanta, and Bhakti Siddhanta was making disciples. There was a controversy, of course, that arose uh, afterwards that questioned whether Bhakti Siddhanta was ever properly initiated, because there was no witness to his initiation. Although he tells the story of how he was initiated by Gorkashore, and of course he's the one who... <coughs> got the possession of the um, sacred form of Gorkashore at the time of his passing and put it in the samadhi. And it's a long story about that you might be familiar with. He showed great courage and um, and uh, was able to secure that sacred duty from the hands of others who professed to be disciples of Babaji Maharaj and wanted to drag him behind a, a cart through the streets of Navadweep, his, his sacred form, because he said, when I die, you should tie me to a cart and drag drag my form. This is his Vaishnav humility. And these people were ready to do that, thinking they would show themselves as his followers. But Bhakti Siddhanta intervened and challenged their fidelity to the basic basic teachings, really. And they backed down and so forth. So it was an in, interesting um, uh, time, <clears throat> but um, they were all kind of in, in the mix of preaching at that time. Gorkashodas, Babaji Maharaj, some of the disciples, Keshava Maharaj of, of Bhakti Siddhanta, met with uh, Gorkashodas, Babaji Maharaj. He tells some stories of that and how fond. The um, Babaji Marsh 
spoke of his guru, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and um, and uh, and as I say, he was initiating, and Alit Prashad was helping. And a little later, Alit Prashad took the position that he wasn't properly formally connected. Um, he his, his actions previously contradict that. So so. Yeah, an interesting uh, period, and uh, the beginnings there of the great uh, Godiamat that had such a huge impact. Very touching, the most touching part of the film, that uh, documentary that Bhaktivar uh, uh, and Marsh put together about Bhakti Siddhanta. For me, was the was the end when when they were the, they showed the train going through. Through um, Calcutta and so forth, and every train stopped, and Chidamar is stopping in the background. And every train stopped, thousands and thousands of people came. They were carrying his sacred form after his departure from the world into the Nitya Leela, taking it to, to Navadweep to be placed into Samadhi there. And along the way, they would stop, and the train would stop, and the news was spreading throughout Bengal and Orissa that the Singhaguru. Lion Guru Bhakti the founder of Gaudiya Math. was very, very powerful. It gave a very visible, um, made uh, made Vaishnavism was very visible in different circles, and it was accustomed to um, uh, visible and and um, and a subject of conversation and so forth in places that it was not previously because in on the one hand of course he he went outside of the Dom where the Vaishnavas would stay and he went to Calcutta and then to Madras and this place and that place 64 months so quite far and wide throughout the subcontinent of India and um, this no one was doing that for Gaudiya Vaishnavism you have to understand that all the Vaishnavas not to criticize, but it's it's a unique uh, contribution. Um, they were basically living in the Dhams, in Puri Dham, in Vrindavan Dham, Navadvita Dham, and doing bhajan, and um, and people would come to the Dham and perhaps make a connection with the sadhu and and so forth. Um, so uh, it was quite revolutionary um, what he did, and. Um, and taking the teachings and organizing a mission like like the missionaries, Christian missionaries that were coming to India, he thought, well, we do the same thing for Vaishnavism. We'll have our missionaries and we'll go out and so forth. So 64 months. So so the Gaudiya Math was, in that respect, um, giving a presence, um, manifesting a presence of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in places where it um, otherwise was was not uh, going. It was not available. But I also mean to say, in, in social circles and uh, circles of intellectuals and amongst the British, hmm, there are some famous pictures of his inviting, having big uh, British uh, dignitaries coming and uh, discussions with them. They, re- they are recorded in print now. Discussions with also an American scholar, I believe. So he was. 
as I say, bringing it to places it was not otherwise, and also he was collecting um, from the uh, Indian population and a little bit from Europe, a couple of maybe Englishmen and, and Germans, um, but largely from the Indian population, uh, educated people. Hmm? You know, in India, it's one of the occupations is to become a sadhu. And it's sometimes one that people take up when they can't do anything else. Uh, or they take it up with a good young man with a good idea in mind, but there are, it's just a, a veritable jungle out there of, of uh, sadhus, your Angoris and your Nagababas and, and um, Sridhar Marsh tells his own story. We were reading it earlier days after I arrived here of his own pursuing uh, his connection with Gaudiya Vaishnava and the Guru and so forth went to different people and there were tantrics and, and so on and so uh, per capita of course India has more bogus gurus than anywhere in the world they have more real gurus too but it's possible but, um, so um you know, and even with good intention, some young people may pursue that lifestyle, if you will, and end up um, out of the view of the public, and in some uh, secluded type of a situation. Um, but Bhakti Siddhanta was not attracting so much those type of persons, although some of them may have come to him as well, certainly, but he was also uh, bringing people to Gaudiya Vaishnavism who had other occupations and who were professionals, hmm? college educations and so forth. You can see in some of the publications he encouraged them to put the lettered men, to put their letters behind their name and sometimes use their secular name, MD, BS, uh, MD, PhD, you know, and so forth. Um, as part of a preaching strategy to show that educated, lettered people were taking to this um, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That was very uh, revolutionary. So was a huge thing, huge thing, Gaudiya Mant. And critiquing the, 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 the Gaudiya Vaishnav orthodoxy in, in, in ways um, that were ruffled feathers and so forth. Um, so, his passing then was a big event and people had to acknowledge whether they liked it or not that he was a powerful person that stood up for his convictions. Hmm. I know one man who's, who's not a follower of Bhakti Siddhanta and disagreed with him um, in Agodhya Vaishnav, but he said that, that he was the embodiment of a person who stood up against hypocrisy. All forms of that. So this is a real devotee, truthful, stands up for principles, truth, and and so forth. So he was scary in that way. <laughs> um, and so, as I say, it was a very touching part for me. Remains as such. And the narrative of Shudamarsh in the background, the train is coming and stopping at different places, and obviously they just had some footage of trains coming, but. But uh, that's the art of, uh, of, of the arts, 
theater and so forth, and uh, we got a semblance of, of a shadow of a, an abhas of what that feeling must have been like, rub, uh, rippling through India and such great Saraswati Thakur left the world, leader of Gaudi Mahathir left the world, and people coming to the train station to offer respect to to the sadhu and so forth, whether they whether obviously many of them were not his disciples, but they knew he was a great person. And, and he had a very powerful, powerful influence. It's an extraordinary time in Gaudi Vaishnavism. We all come out of out of that. The blessings of Bhakti Vinod and Gorbachev Babaji began initiating in their presence. That itself is very uh, exceptional. With their blessing and um, took the vision of Bhakti Vinod and the word of Sridhar Maharaj gave it some shape and uh, distributed it far and wide in the subcontinent. That's something of the history. So the Gaudiyamas also was founded as him as a Ramachari? I believe so. He he took... uh, Will Everston was founded and officially um, organized as such, incorporated or whatever, I'm not sure, but but um, he already had some disciples, as I recall, at the time that he took the, uh, the sannyas. Because, yes, he was initiating in the presence of Bhaktis, you know, in Gorkashore. And they left a similar times close close to one another. And then he carried on and it became a very big big mission. What else? Yes. Um, can you please explain a little bit more about Guru Mishra? Because now sometimes I see for example your God they uh, somehow, or they don't practice anymore, or they deviate philosophically, or they, I don't know, they silenize a little bit. But, uh, but you can see that they love Shlapra, and they have faith in him. Is that Guru Nishtha, or is they are just sentimentally attached to Well, I think the word Guru Nishtha, it's a good question, um, and I think that the word Gurnishta is made up of two words, Guru and Nishta. And I think that um, there are different ways in which you could think about it, its meaning, implications, and so forth, uh, kind of a light way and a heavy way, or a very liberal, broad way and a, and a more um, specific and in a narrow sense. And we can interpret for that matter, the different stages of bhakti narrowly or or broadly. It's better to interpret them narrowly with regard to ourselves and broadly with regard to others um, as to where one is on the ladder of spiritual progress. Um, um, and so it's true that, and Puja Pachitamarsh remarked about this, and I've, I've mentioned it before, that he was um, quite impressed by the extent to which, in a quantitative sense, 
And a quantitative, from, from a quantitative perspective, at the um, the um, affection, the dedication of Prabhupada's disciples for him. Isi Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada. In other words, lots of his disciples, and this is what you're referring to, they seemed all very dedicated, whereas usually, he said in a mission, there will be some very dedicated and then some majority will be involved, but not very dedicated. So, um, large quantity of Prabhupada's disciples had this very um, um, obvious and um, visible uh, affinity and dedication uh, to him. And Sridharmash found it quite uh, remarkable and commendable, laudable, and and so forth. Um, And so... You could say uh, that they all had much Gurunishta. If you were to render the term Gurunishta in a, in, a, in a generous way. But I think that um, while that may have some value, it's important as well and more so to look at the word in a, in a more... Um, more precisely, let's say, and, and look at the two words. There's guru, of course. Guru means heavy and refers to the teacher and uh, who anchors like a weight. The disciple cannot be blown over in the winds of different ideas and so forth, and whom we can hold on to in the wind and the storm of our minds and various ideas and, um, and the, the very forms in which material nature offers herself to us, uh, uh, invites us, tries to captivate us, entice us, and so on and so forth. And nishta means means fixed. Hmm? And if we look at the term nishta in terms of how it's explained in Madhuri Kadambini hmm, with regard to bhakti, then um, we'll, I think, have a better idea of what the term Gurunishta means. And then the more just broader, generous idea, they have a lot of dedication to their guru and faith in him and uh, and so forth. Um, after all, the term Nishta there is used in relation to Krishna Bhakti. And the very term, well, uh, well, Krishna Bhakti, I should say, cannot be properly engaged in without... Guru Bhakti. So, the first limb or anga of Bhakti, Sadhana Bhakti that Rupa Goswami mentions is Ado Guru Vashraya, taking shelter of the Guru. Beginning, Ado. He gives 64 different limbs of Bhakti, execution of Bhakti, participation in Bhakti. It begins with the Guru, taking shelter of the Guru, taking, then taking initiation, following the, 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 the instructions of the Guru and 
serving him or her affectionately, faithfully, and so forth. So, a big emphasis there. And the point is that we cannot do Krishna Bhakti without Guru Bhakti. But, as mentioned by Sri Goswami in Bhakti Sandarbha, some people reverse this and rather than having Guru Bhakti as a limb of the body or the tree of Krishna Bhakti, they make Krishna Bhakti the limb of the body or the tree of, of Guru Bhakti. Hmm? And he says, this is very uh, extraordinary and it's very, it's very pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? Krishna takes more pleasure in that. Hmm? Um, so, um, we would probably do well to look at Guru Nishta more in terms of that idea and the word Nishta as much as it applies to Krishna Bhakti hmm, we'll look at it in relation to Guru Bhakti hmm. if you were to make for example as I say Krishna Bhakti a limb of Guru Bhakti then you have all these stages to go through with uh, centered on the service of the Guru so I think it's better for us to look at the term in a comprehensive way hmm, and define Gurunishta as Nishta, faith uh, fixed in the service of the Guru. And this Nishta then includes in it an understanding of the Tattva. Hmm? In other words, Nishta in in the ladder of, of bhakti, it's characterized by, in the Bhagavatam stage, as being well-studied in the Bhagavatam. It's also characterized as being very dedicated to the person Bhagavatam. There's the book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Well, it says, Bhagavatam, I should say, Nasta Preshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. This is a description of Nishta in the Bhagavatam. You know the verse? Nasta Preshu Abhadreshu. That the inauspicious things are almost major things taken cleansed out of the heart. Nasta Praeshu Abhadreshu. Nityam Bhagavata Seva. And Nityam Bhagavata Seva. Seva. Regular, continuous Nityam. Continuous, uninterrupted service to the to the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Um, so, well, service to the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is the is the commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Vedanta Sutra is the, the nyaya, the logic hmm, of Vedanta that makes sense out of all the sounds of the sacred texts and shows how they conf- they're, they're giving a, a, a concerted message. Hmm? Um, so the Bhagavatam obviously requires some intelligence to study. It's a really good exercise, a spiritual exercise for your intellect to study the Bhagavatam under good guidance, of course. Hmm? So, Nishta is characterized therefore, to some extent, by understanding the teaching. Of course, we say there are two Bhagavatams. This idea has come from Krishna's Kaviraj in his commentary on his uh, Namaskar sloka of. Uh, of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityanando Sahodito Godadai Pushpavanto Chitro Samdhoto Monolo. He says, Gornitai, they dissipate the darkness of ignorance, the desires for 
sense indulgence, the desires for wealth and um, um, the opposite sex and uh, so on, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, vamsha, all these desires, they are darkness, they dispel the darkness and they bestow prem in the heart of the jiva and they do it by bringing them in touch with two Bhagavatas, the book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. Hmm? So Nityam Bhagavat Seva, the verse of the Bhagavatam, means regularly be serving the book Bhagavatam and or the person Bhagavatam. Not the book Bhagavatam alone, hmm? but you could do the person alone, but he would be teaching the book. So, so together. Hmm? So... Nishta, then, uh, by this understanding, speaks about a stage in our progress in which our understanding intellectually of the teaching, the tattva, is well developed. Indeed, that very much, you can, you can understand, helps us to remain steady in our practice because it's easier to forego your practice and be a hypocrite if you don't understand the extent to which you are becoming a hypocrite because you don't understand the teaching that well. Hmm? So the more you understand the teaching, the more difficult it is for you to be, to, 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 to uh, go against the teaching. It's, it's harder. You're being taught this, and you're, you're maybe speaking it yourself, and so, uh, a, 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 a um, comprehensive acquaintance with the teaching. This is what the guru is supposed to give. That's what the siksha is. Hmm. It's the business of the guru. So, to as we become educated, in that we understand the guru tattva hmm. well, hmm. and that um, indicates then. If we want to say Guru Nishta, Nishta in relation to the Guru means that Guru Devaya Vidmahe, this is understood. You see, as much as Guru Devaya Vidmahe is understood, this is this is Sambandha in our Guru Gayatri. This is Sambandha. Krishna Nandaya Dimahi. This is Avideya. Hmm? Krishna Nandaya Dimahi. So you can do the, the Dimahi, the meditation on the Krishnanandaya, the Ananda of the Guru, effectively, as much as Guru Devaya Vidmahe, hmm? you're well versed and realized in the Sambandha, hmm? the Tattva. Hmm? And Tanno Guru Pachura, this is the Prayojan, it's an appeal to attain the Prayojan. Mm, tattva. So, without that, mm, without a good understanding of, for example, Guru Tattva, what is the meaning of Guru Nishta? Mm? And what to speak of other tattvas, you know, Krishna Tattva, Radha Tattva, Bhakti Tattva, so on and so forth. But at least we should see a very good understanding of Guru Tattva in someone who we call um, Guru Nishta and differentiate that person and the idea of Guru Nishta from 
a person who really likes his guru hmm, and is enthusiastic and um, so forth, but really has a very um, limited or even erroneous, as we see sometimes, faulty, problematic understanding of Guru Tattva, where you find um, the enthusiasm for the Guru, but the enthusiasm for the Guru and the understanding of what it constitutes to serve the Guru plays out in such a way that um, it readily lends itself to um, offending other gurus, Vaishnavas, for example. Hmm? So this is this is very problematic. And there you have an instance of, as you say, someone who's sentimentally attached to their guru, which can be a very good thing, and we would want that, and we expect that. Hmm? But we expect that, that that sentiment will be in time tempered by um, um, fortified by real understanding, hmm? realization of what Guru Tattva is, what it means coming into my life, what the Guru represents, what, what the teachings are, and that he, he is um, empowered to impart and so forth. Um, otherwise, without that, hmm? with just the sentiment, we have what uh, Prabhupada often referred to as what um, religion without philosophy is just a, uh, a sentiment and lends to fanaticism. And conversely, the, the philosophy without any sentiment, uh, that's lacking also. Hmm? So we see a fair amount of that, um, unfortunately. And it, you know, it's a good thing, and it's 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 it, it can be appreciated. And we see how the person of Prabhupada very much moved um, so many of his disciples. But but if it just becomes lip service to that, and remembrances of the past, and uh, and uh, it only comes up when you bring up somebody else, and then they say, Ah, Prabhupada's better, or something. You know, meanwhile. They are preoccupied with um, ordinary life and so forth. And you know, um, when it's that sentiment is is expressed in those types of circumstances, then it's a it's a problem. It's a sentiment that has not developed in such a way that it, that, it, that it becomes really uh, fortified by the teachings and by an understanding of the. The whole, the whole tattva, and as I say, it, it can be counterproductive. That very enthusiasm for the guru can end up, and the guru is the principle that is is most instrumental in freeing us from conditioned life. It can be the greatest obstacle. Misunderstood, it can be the greatest obstacle. Hmm? Prabhupada sometimes used to use the analogy of a razor's edge. So I think he meant that you could you could shave your face if you're a man, or you could cut your throat if you weren't careful. I think in, in, in those days they used to go to a barber, you know, the barber would would shave your face, and there you put yourself, and he would, he would have a straight razor, and he could cut your throat if he was not um, careful, didn't know what he was doing. Hmm? So you have to know a little bit what you're doing. Prabhupada used to emphasize, I've written 60 books, and he wanted them to be read and understood and studied, and, and so on and so forth, so... 
without that, uh, the sentiment in the guru, um, it, it, it can be problematic. It doesn't have to be, because it, it could be such that when I come in touch with the teachings, then I imbibe them and, and I grow like that um, gradually and so forth. But we often see that they, without a proper understanding, they go against the teaching even. And, uh, they have a partial understanding, a half understanding, and they, um, so on. And they want to uh, make that as if it's the whole. They want to, you know, if you're if you're a branch of the tree of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, it's good to remain connected to the tree. If you cut yourself off from the tree, then and criticize the tree. <laughs> That's not a very good idea. Hmm. You know. Prabhupada's uh, formal mission, sometimes it, uh, it's such a shame the, what's become of it. I mean, I was a member when it was much more vital and alive and, uh, and uh, years gone by, over 30 years ago. And um, it's a pity that uh, it's, kind of like a, it's kind of like an island in the ocean. Hmm. And... Um, Gaudiya Vaishnavism beyond Iskon is like the shore. So, you know, if you land on an island in the ocean, you think, wow, land, this is great. We're on land. And then, you know, it's just a little island. <laughs> it's a little small. Some people on that island get islanditis. <laughs> islanditis. You know the disease, islanditis? They think they can't, they get uncomfortable living on an island. So somehow or other, they swim to the shore. Hmm? Of course, everybody on the island says, there's no shore out there. There's no shore. This is the land. Hmm? This is, this is as, as big as it is. Hmm? And you should be happy here. It's dry. It's land. Hmm? You go there, it's only water. But some people just can't, it's not big enough. So they, they, they make a, with great risk, they dive in the ocean. Some of them find the shore and they think that island is very small. <laughs> uh, it's a sample of this, but it's very small in comparison to the whole of it. Mm. Here I'm being swallowed by the land mm. and all the possibilities and so forth. And there I have just like some appetizer of it. Mm. Something like that. <laughs> it's unfortunate. But uh, if you criticize the land, you know, the, you criticize the tree that the branch comes from, that's not good for the branch. So, you know, it's important to know the teaching. Hmm. So we want to look at Guru more like that, someone who has firm faith in the Guru, that's what it means. And uh, firm faith is different than, than tender faith. Guru, uh, to use another... Um, um, example from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, there is the idea of eligibility for bhakti, whether it be a novice, an intermediate, or a superlative type of eligibility. Who is a more qualified person to pursue bhakti? Well, the eligibility rests on faith, so who has deeper faith hmm? is more eligible. And so a gradation of faith is is talked about by Rupa Goswami and the commentators. Hmm? And it begins with Komal Shraddha, tender faith. 
and that tender faith is not characterized by any scriptural genius or the ability to engage in Shastra Yukti, to reason about the implications of the Shastra, and so on and so forth. Hmm? And it can be, it can be um, threatened, it can come under threat in the face of other arguments, and, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's tender. Hmm? It may not go away, but it may recede and in the face of certain arguments or, or circumstances and then and it come come again but but intermediate faith then is characterized by good understanding of the of, of scripture shastriya shraddha so shraddha is descending and the principal form of the descent or revelation is the sacred text and there the argument if you will for the nature of consciousness and and Vaishnavism, the, the potential of consciousness um, um, is all described, and uh, so acquaintance with that obviously is going to strengthen your faith. Faith comes from up to down. Faith in Krishna is transcendental, so it's it's revealed faith. Hmm. So, um, and those who are have deep faith, they're they're characterized as being fully acquainted. Shastra Nipun, hmm. a scriptural genius. What it means literally, and the ability to effectively engage in shastra yukti based on the taste that they have, the feeling they have required for the whole thing, they can understand it properly and and uh, reason about its implications and so forth, comment on, and so they're very qualified to tread the mark. So again, the, the, the gradation here of eligibility based on faith is also that is tied to scripture hmm? the scriptural argument hmm? I mean we are to engage our intelligence also Krishna says this in the Gita one who repeats my message studies every word and looks at the various meanings and just engages in my service with their intelligence hmm? people who are not that well schooled in the teaching sometimes criticize those who are, or you're just intellectual. You know, I'm using my intelligence in Krishna's service. Is that a, you want to try to do the same. That would be good. That's what it's supposed, that's what it's for. And, so, and if you do that, of course, you know the limits of reason and intellect very well because the Bhagavatam gives a very strong bashing to the intellect. It's constantly punching the intellect, putting it in its place while it's being fully engaged. Hmm? And being an assistant, in an assisting role, it's being told, you're, you're an assisting role, you're an assisting role, and you can only assist so far, and at a certain point you'll be retired altogether. Hmm? Brain-dead bhakti. This is Vrindavan, Gyanchunya bhakti. No need for the brain there. Hmm? It's not required. So, um, yeah, so Viranishta, it's a big word. <laughs> and it doesn't um, refer, except in, in, a, in a very generous use of the term, to um, the uh, sentimental, if you will, enthusiasm of the, of the disciples, but rather 
the more precisely to a well-reasoned. Um, this is nishta, well-reasoned. One's faith is well-reasoned in this, this stage of nishta. So nothing is going to uh, get in its way. Hmm? Well-reasoned, then you can go forward. Hmm? So this stage of nishta, this is very nice. This is where intellect has real shows its real uh, value and uh, and uh, is very beautiful as i said in other places faith when faith is, is an assistant or when reason is an, is an assistant to faith then it's just very beautiful very charming very useful that knows its place so to speak Good to have you here. <laughs> yeah. How was your journey? Good. Chico, Chico brought. Did he bring his son? Yeah. So yeah, Guru Nishta. Hmm. It requires. A guru and some nishta. You have to understand what is nishta, not just the sentiment. Hmm. What else? The help? Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Saifat from Jiva Goswami. Not even a real need for great effort and spiritual practice, for if one simply believes that with all sincerity that he is a servant of Krishna, that sense of spiritual identification with itself will itself eventually give him all perfection. Right. What Jiva Goswami is talking about there is the central idea of sadhana bhakti on the rag marg, the, the hub around which it all um, orbits. And the, that hub is the desire to follow in the footsteps of uh, devotees of the Braj, Leela, that embody a particular sentiment. Madhya rasa, Sakya rasa, for example, Samandarupa, Kamarupa Bhakti. Hmm? And this is, we call, Abhishtabhav, um, is it term? Um, it, 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 well, as I say, it's the hub. So I take my mantra and I think I want to be uh, and my, my ideal is to be a member of the group of Krishna and Leela uh, following my guru um, and However developed that may be, may not be very, very, very well developed, or maybe in later stages much more developed uh, conceptually. Hmm? This is the center, and the idea here is that 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 
course, you want you have your ideal, and and then you you, you know where you are, so you you know what steps to take hmm? to go there, and they're practical, uh, uh, and you move accordingly, not artificially. That you want to go there, like I want to go to India, and you just sit and meditate on it. You know, you have to go and get a job and get some money and get a ticket and go to the airport and so on and so forth. So. Um, so it is with Bhakti, there are many things, steps we have to take to go there, but this, where I'm going to go. So, this is the center. This is the hub around which the whole practice of Raghunath Bhakti orbits. And the idea is that, that you want to become, if you will, the opportunity has been placed before you to serve Krishna like the Braj people. And those Braj people are so pleasing to Krishna that they their love actually defines Krishna, as we often say. There is no, no Krishna without them. Their love is one with him. Hmm? Um, he's the object that corresponds with their love. And, uh, and, and it, it, it's what makes him tick. Hmm? If you want to understand Krishna, then you understand the love of Krishna in Vrindavan. That's Krishna. Krishna corresponds with that. So this is what attracts him. He told the gopis at Kurukshetra that mai bhakti The people approach me for all kinds of things. They want things or they want to get away from things and have nothing but live eternally. And I give them those things but it doesn't attract me very much. People also approach me with awe and reverence. Hmm? That doesn't doesn't do much for me. But some people call me, "Hey, buddy," hmm? or uh, "Let's go, cello, bye." Hmm? And some people, and 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 some ladies, Radha speaks to me in this way, that way, by this this name, that name. Hmm? That. Is what I'm all about. Hmm? People want this or that from me. They want to get somewhat close to me and by that get the perks of Vaikuntha, huh? to have forearms and to be omniscient and Shantaras and so on. But what this love about is, is, what, is what I'm all about. And so you, he said, you, you, are, you, you are interested in that. I'm purchased by that. Hmm? I may not be in 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 Vrindavan. I'm in Dwarka, we're meeting at Kurukshetra, but the fact of the matter is that I'm kinda of there like a zombie. <laughs> My heart is somewhere else. At night when I sleep I'm I'm known just to call out the names of Radha and Lalita and my friends and parents and so forth. And the queens are worried that I might leave. So, so he, you know, he explains this kind of thing. So the point is that this is this kind of love is so pleasing to Krishna that it draws his attention to us. You're interested in that? Nobody's interested in that. You're interested in me, in other words, what I'm about. So he has to give his attention to us. 
Of course, now we have to be interested in it in a, in a way that's appropriate, that makes sense, and, and understand the tattva underlying it, and so on and so forth. But what Jiva Goswami is saying, that ideal, Sridhar said it another way, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is very generous. It's often said, don't judge a man by his past, hmm? but by what he's doing in the present. But Sridhar says, Mahaprabhu looks at it like, we will not judge the devotees by their present, but by their future, by their ideal. Hmm? They have their ideal. My ideal is, I want to become a Braj Sundari. Hmm? <laughs> I want to become a Braj Sundari. This is my ideal. And I know what it means hmm, to be a Braj Sundari. What is the, what is the philosophy that underlies that? My, my wanting has meaning. Hmm? You know, if a child wants to touch the moon, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, that's uh, another thing. Hmm? Um, so, with some understanding and and then proceeding uh, accordingly and so forth. So, um, again, this is this is we we would judge them by their ideal. If this is their ideal, they would. So this will bring Krishna's attention to us. It's the most powerful part of the sadhana. It's audacious to think. How can I even say I want to be? But yeah, I do. Actually, it is what I'm here for. I do want to enter the Brajalila. It is my ambition. It is my ideal. This is what my mantra is speaking about. And so... That then is that 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 you see our some the, the Bab, Baba Sambandi, the hearing the chanting that we do, hmm? Guru Sev and so forth. That is in relation to the central ideal, and it promotes it. At a certain point, it becomes one with it. Hmm? And there's Baba Anukul, hmm? things that are favorable. Hmm? Um, Baba Virud, things that are unfavorable to, to that Baba. It's all around that. That, that that identity. Hmm? And the general idea is I, I want to be a Brajbasi. Hmm? And as we, as we become more clear in the teaching, I want to be a Brajbasi like this. Hmm? Generally, as I see my Guru Davis, I want to follow in that. Hmm? Because I'm, that's what the influence is coming in me. Of course, it may be mixed from other lives and so forth. So that's the idea. He's he's saying that that this ambition alone Hmm? will make everything happen. Hmm? Everything will revolve around that. Hmm? It's a powerful ambition. The Krishna will send the resources to you because to take advantage of them when they come. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah. So there's there's nothing... You, you, this is your deity, Krishna, and then you, you, you think... It's not a. If you understand it properly, you see it's not a selfish thing. It's not, this that's complete selflessness. What they're doing there, hmm? the Brajlila, oh, completely selfless, self-forgetful, as Sri Ramesh like to call it. So, I guess this should be our am- ambition. Hmm? What else? What's the time? Hmm? Anything else? Or we can do Gurnishta. I just want to serve my Guru, whatever comes of that. I just do that same thing.
So the self-deprecation of Krishnadas, and we see it in other great devotees also, you're asking about that. They find themselves to be very low, and, and, you, and at the same time we say they're very objective. They've looked at the world. They've seen it for what it is. They're detached. Hmm? So they bring some objectivity to the, to the, um, to the fore. Um, the idea there, of course, is they're objective. They, they um, are unbiased. Hmm? If you're detached, then you can be unbiased. If you're attached to someone, then you'll see them based on the, that attachment. It will color your vision and so forth. Um, so there's a healthy uh, detachment that is a byproduct of of bhakti, hmm? and there's proper discrimination and so forth that's exercised, and um, we understand that the the atmas is different than than the body and the mind and so forth. So we look at the external world. We're schooled in that. Hmm? See it. Um, Differently than what it appears to the eye and uh, and and the ear and the senses that that uh, want to in, in, enjoy those objects of the senses, so that detachment is there. That kind of objectivity is there. But now you're saying here the, the devotee he he seems to be he's very advanced actually, but he says he's very very low. And so he seems to have lost his objectivity. How can we understand that? He seems confused. Uh, but I think that um, there's different ways to look at it. But one is that, um, that in my experience, that the I was talking earlier about um, the looking, for example, at the different stages of bhakti. Hmm? And you can interpret them in different ways. You can say, you know, I feel like I'm nishta. That sounds good. You know, and you can interpret it very... Um, superficially. And I was saying, better to interpret it more conservatively in relation to yourself and more broadly or generously in relation to others. You follow? Um, but as, in my experience, as one progresses, then one tends to look at everything with a microscope at greater detail. And um, and look, for example, at the ten offenses, and, and, and think. Actually, I'm see. I'm doing all of those. So. He, he, it's just. It, it's like. The, uh, uh, or I'm on the lowest stage, and this is why. And they argue about it, and they see it like that. They're looking at a small spot on the white cloth, and 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 seeing how how. It's just like. Uh, you know, let's say let's say you print a book, okay, and then you're going through it and you go, "Oh my God, look at this! This page was not proofread, and 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 this word here is should have been is misspelled or 
There's a missing comma. It's like, so you've gone over that book a thousand times. And, um, and then you, you very carefully did everything. And so you know the book really well. So you see that missing hyphen. And it just stands out to you like this huge sign that it's wrong, a mistake. And, and you just can't even look at it. <laughs> and other people go, there's nothing. You know, they didn't even see it, you know, or they, they yeah, okay, I see this is gone. You know, and they just they go, go through it and so forth. So it's something like that. The whole thing becomes magnified. Hmm? And they see the smallest little fault. Uh, they, 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 their mind tends to find fault even where it's, where it's not, so to speak, in extremes. And of course, we learn something from that, and we are humbled by that. And we will look at Kaviraj Krishnadas's statement a little differently. He says that if people, what does he say, if people um, hear my name, they'll become impious. If they chant my name, no, if they hear my name, they'll lose their piety. If they chant my name, they'll commit an impious act. Hmm. So he's very humble and... Um, Another example, I'll go on with that, but is I've often said that the closer the finite comes to the infinite, the more it feels how finite it is, how what it's like to be finite, and what the infinite's like. And so it's a it's a very. Shiramarsh was once speaking, and he said that uh, as we, one who says he knows Brahman doesn't know Brahman. One who says, I don't know Brahman, he knows Brahman. So one of the devotees says, well, what if you really feel, you know, you really are fallen? You really feel that you're really, you know, far? He said, you really feel like that? Really? Hmm? And, he, and, he was, and he was saying, you're getting somewhere. Hmm. So I... I <laughs> um, of course, you know, there are the persons who really know they're fallen and they're objective about it in, in, in a different way, but they don't, they don't carry with them what's being talked about here, this, this kind of real humility. You see, real humility doesn't stop us from going forward. It encourages us to go forward at the same time. The humility of, see how fallen I am and I, and I can't go forward is it's not really the spiritual idea of, of humility. So... They're exhibiting something else, hmm? um, but we'll anyway. We we will look and we will say, yes. What Krishna said is true. That if you um, hear his name, then you will lose all piety. All good karma will go away. Hmm? You will never have to be troubled by sukritartha, dusritartha, anarthas coming from 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 good karma. Hmm? And if you chant his name, then you'll commit impiety. Yes, then we'll be able to uh, break the bonds with the Dharma Shastra, like the gopis, and meet Krishna. In, in the night, we'll, 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 we'll engage in such impious so-called acts. Hmm? So, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami Kijai. Something like that. We, we will look at it in, in, in that way. But they are magnifying, and, uh, and it's not artificial, but they're, 
they're coming close to just their understanding how perfect Krishna is. The jiva, however perfect the jiva is, he feels imperfect in relation to Krishna. I was once at a, some fair and some some Christians were there and they had a booth and they asked me to come over and said, take an interview. So I'm always interested in religion. So I went there and they said, we want to give a, have a quick questionnaire, just real quick, you know. And the, the questionnaire is that we want to ask you just one question. And that is, have you ever sinned? And so everybody's supposed to say, oh yeah, you know, then you're not perfect. Only Jesus can be perfect, you see. And so all you can do is be humble. It's not possible for you to be perfect. You have to be humble. And then He is perfect and He will pick you up. And I was appreciating it. The hope of the devotees is Ashabanda, great hope. The hope is that I will become successful. I have hope. Why do I have hope? Because I know how great Krishna is, how kind Krishna is, how kind my guru is. Therefore, I know. It's despite myself, I will be successful in due course because I have such a good connection with such affectionate persons, Guru, Guru Parampara, Gaur, Krishna. In other words, because of them, I will become perfect, not because of myself. I'm a jeev, prone to the condition I'm in. Only if they bless me and fill me with the swoop shakti will be possible. Something like that. So it's it's understandable. They, they that's a symptom of their genuine experience and understanding of the absolute of Krishna. How great is Krishna? How extraordinary? How beautiful? How affectionate? Can't imagine. Uddhava was just his mind was just bewildered at how affectionate he saw Krishna to be. Example he gave of the liberation of Putana. Such a mean thing she did, and such a high benediction she got. There's no, there's no example of this anywhere. Yeah. Christians have somebody like that. Jesus was so kind, and everybody saved because of him. So it's a similar kind of idea. I don't find it as attractive personally, but but uh, it's talking about a similar principle. That's not an excuse not to do anything, to, to, do, to do nothing. What else? Yes. You were talking about sector meditation last week for an author who had recommended it. And Secular meditation. Yeah. yeah. That made me think about like, the generic mainstream idea of meditation and the positive effects that are said to come with that kind of meditation. I personally recognize many of them. Like people say that there will be less and stress and this kind of simple like material positive thing. And that's the things that I experienced and chanting. But of course that's not the goal of chanting. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's sort of part of the process or 
if I'm doing something wrong. No, yeah, it's natural. You, if you, if you, excuse me, if you focus your mind and and all, you'll you'll get a rest from the busyness of the mind. Mostly, people are just constantly listening to the music of their mind, and so to to filter that out hmm, by concentration, focusing to the mind, which is generally what people do in the name of meditation, listening to their breathing and so on and so forth, they're focusing on that. And they basically give their mind a huge rest and it's been like working non-stop, non-stop. And even in sleep, it's working, working, working. Ah. So you can imagine, yeah, you could, you could feel pretty good if you could put it to rest. It could, it, just like you feel good when you take good, good rest at night and, and you don't, and you're, it's not... Wild dreams that you wake up and it's very comfortable and deep sleep. Hmm? That's why meditation is sometimes compared to deep sleep. Hmm? Stopping the mind. And I exist and it's cool. It's better. I exist independent of the, I'm not listening to the demands of the body or the mind and I feel good. I've been listening to them and following them and it's, it's pretty exhausting. Hmm? So comparatively, yeah, they get some experience like that, and you know, if you chant nicely and concentrate, you should expect that also, and more. Hmm. Or as you shut off the mind, bliss inherent in the jiva and in, in the atma will come out. Then hmm. time, bliss of bhakti also. When I, of course, speak about question whether there's a secular meditation I, you know, I'm speaking about what meditation is traditionally you can translate it yourself and make your own meaning out of it if you want that's another thing maybe that's what secular meditation is they give a new meaning to the word and then you can have a secular meditation anyway I wrote an article about it I think it was published in Ananda All right, so nice to sit with you. We'll stop there for tonight. Sri Sri Dauji Gopal Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrindaki Jai, Gaur Pramanandi.